Welcome to On Culture. On this podcast, we talk about culture and faith and the world and our place in it. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support our work and explore all of our content on our website, theembassy.substack.com. Here's Mike. All right, we're back. Welcome back to this next edition of On Culture. Uh, On Culture is the uh, podcast of the Embassy Substack newsletter. My name is Mike Sherman. I'm joined today by uh, my, my good friend, Kyle Bradley. Kyle is communication director uh, at uh, our church, and uh, we've been good friends for a long time. He's a creative person. We're going to talk about creativity. Uh, hello, yeah. Kyle. How are you doing? Hey, doing good. How are you? Great. Doing great. Yeah. Um, so uh, I want to tell the people that uh, feel free to to subscribe to the embassy Um Substack newsletter, and you can find on Culture and uh, subscribe to that wherever podcasts are sold. You have a uh, Substack as well, because part of your creative uh, output is poetry. So tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah. So you sort of introduced me to the Substack world. I knew nothing about it. Um, But yeah, I write poetry, been writing kind of off and on for a very long time, but just in the past few years started writing. quite a lot of poetry mm-hmm. and I've tried um, different ways of getting it out there, but this is um, yeah, my first kind of attempt to get people to subscribe mm-hmm. to my stuff um, to get, uh, you know, a few poems out a month for those who are inclined to read them. Yeah. Yeah. So lines I write. Yep. Lines I write dot substack dot com. Lines I write all one word L I N the S I W R I T E. Yeah, yep. Yep. I am a subscriber. I uh, enjoy Kyle's poetry. Yeah, Kyle's it. got a uh, a book of poetry that I have uh, I have and have read. Twenty uh, seventeen about a, a pivotal year uh, in your life, and uh, people can yeah. find that on Amazon. I think, right? Yeah, yep. That's out there to be found. Um, Might be hard to right, find, well, but it's on there. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's out there. Um, after your Substack takes off. You won't be able to. Who knows? No, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, so I want to talk about you know part of culture is I mean culture is many faceted. We'll talk about that and we'll engage in with that in the in the the at the embassy newsletter mm-hmm. all the different ways that we culture impacts us that we don't think about. But one of the ways that seems obvious is we engage with other people's creative output. You know, when you think of culture, yeah. you often think of books, stories. TV shows, movies, and so on. Um, and so, and, and for me, I'm not, uh, I am not artistically talented uh, in this, in the traditional uh, sense. Uh, I think I'm a pretty good writer, but not in the sense that most people would call it that, you know, most people are thinking of authors of, you know, fiction uh, books and such. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I've always had this uh, interesting uh, I guess relationship or thoughts about the word creativity. Are you a creative person? And, mm-hmm. you know, my experience with that is people are asking, kind of asking you whether you're artistically talented or not. Like, do you right. make yeah. art of some sort? Yeah. Uh, and so what are your thoughts on that question and just creativity in general as we get started? Well, if that's the, I mean, if the motivation behind the question is, are you artistic? It feels a bit unfair. Um, and 
I don't know, for a number of different reasons. I just, I just believe creativity presents itself in all sorts of different ways. So yeah, you're, you're probably right. Most of the time we think in the artistic realm, you know, writing fiction, painting, um, sculpture, sort of the fine arts, but I think creativity presents itself in all sorts of areas, problem solving. There's just a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where some of my creativity comes into play is in, in thinking of solutions, different ways to get around mm-hmm. uh, obstacles and so and so forth. Um, you know, part of my my uh, training and experience as an engineer is really that's a lot of that. Uh, some engineers yeah. aren't super creative. They're very gifted, you know, mathematicians, perhaps, or even scientists. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't doesn't necessarily make them great engineers unless they can really apply some of that to solving problems. Um, yeah. That's so your, um, your views on creativity and my views on creativity, I think, and if you state them out loud and people will probably, I think nod along and say, yeah, I think that's probably right. Uh, mm-hmm. And we all have some sense of being creative. I, I would question that interests me that we probably don't have a lot of time for is why not why do we don't just ask if people are artistically talented instead of that's really what we mean yeah and it's just it's interesting we just don't we don't ask those sorts of questions in our culture it's a cultural like we yeah, don't I wonder say, why, why that yeah. is we don't does say, it feel ins- like does it feel insulting i don't know i mean if the I, answer is no yeah i don't know do. yeah, I, yeah. I, are you good at sports are are we don't ask that question you know did you you know even did you do good in school? We ask, are you going to school? Do you play sports? Are you creative? We have these, all these indirect ways of asking about people. I wonder if it's an ego thing where if you say creative, it's sort of creativity, sort of conceptual. So if you say you're creative, you're not necessarily defining it by like, yeah, I'm really great at painting. Yeah. Because people aren't going to want to answer that way. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Right. Um, so anyway, that's just, it's an interesting, I guess, thought about that's mm-hmm. a cultural, that's a part of our culture in a way in which our culture, we interact with a culture where not, we don't really think about it, which is, I'm going to keep saying it as we, in this, our newsletter and in podcasts that that is the normal uh, state of affairs that we interact with culture all the time in ways we don't, we don't think about. Um, mm-hmm. So one of the, one of the, uh, the sources of reflection for this question is, uh, is a book that we both read because we're in a book club together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's actually a series, like a limited uh, series on HBO called Station Eleven. And the series is not, it's not exactly the same plot line, but it's, it's they're both well done. Um, but the, the, the setting, the context of Station Eleven, uh, most of the story happens in a post-pandemic world, even though the book was written before our, you know, most recent yeah. pandemic pandemic wipes out most of the civilization, most people, uh, and it follows along this group of people who are, uh, traveling around Michigan that happens to be set like near Lake Michigan, uh, mm-hmm. and performing Shakespeare. You know, they go from yeah. little village to little village and perform like Bath or Hamlet or King Lear yeah. or, whatever in like a caravan caravan of sorts right <laughs> right in like a caravan of yeah. sorts and you know one of the you know on one of the, the lead caravan you know this is the shakespeare company 
because survival is insufficient. That's the the slogan, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, what are your, uh, you know, you can use that as a springboard or in that phrase, like what, like, what are they saying there? And what does that reflect about our own, the way we look at life, the way we look at beauty, the way we look at art, the way we look at culture? I don't know. What are, you, what are some thoughts you have on yeah, that? Yeah, I think, I mean, for me personally, I, I love that quote. That's one of the main things that stuck out or stuck with me um, from that story. Uh, because I think it's so easy for me just to survive. And like, I don't, um, sort of, I think we'll talk about this probably at some point. There's a phrase in there about sleepwalking. Um, it's, mm -hmm. it's very easy to just sort of coast through life and, and not think about the arts, not think about creativity. I know there are people who do that, but for me personally, it's just easy to coast. Um, it's easy to sort of survive. It's easy to like get through this moment to get to the next moment to get to the next. And, and yep. then you just, I just find myself accomplishing or trying to accomplish or trying to get through one thing and then the next. And that to me just feels like surviving. And what, you know, what poetry has allowed me to do is slow down and create just to create that just getting mm -hmm. from one thing to the next isn't sufficient. Right. So that, that right. I relate to that a whole lot. Yeah. And I, I think, I think a lot of people can relate to it because as we are moving through our lives, like this is the next thing I need to do in school. This is the next thing I need to do at my job. This is the next project around the house. This is the next kid's mm -hmm. activity. You know, this is, you know, we've got to then sign the kids up for this next sport. And, and there's always this next thing that you can yeah. do and you can do it very well. And people can look at mm -hmm. it and say, you know, this is a high functioning person. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, one of the, one of the, uh, parts of the story you referred to is, you know, the story does a good job of going back and forth between the pre-pandemic and the post-pandemic world mm -hmm. and people reflecting on life before and life after. And one of the characters is re reflecting back on this interview that he had because he was a, like a corporate consultant or something. Uh, and he was this interviewing, he was interviewing this person who's talking about these sorts of people. And they basically, you know, she calls them high functioning sleepwalkers yeah. where they, they, she says another part of that same interchange that they spend their whole lives waiting for their lives to begin yeah. where they're basically just going to the, and she's talking about CEO sort of type people who are very successful. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think that if we measure our lives by all these different outward things, and it's very easy just to be caught up in that and the way it, yeah. and the way it might manifest for some people, I mean, for me, um, if you're reading a work of fiction, let's say, and you've got a bunch of things as, as one always does, I have a list of things that need to get done and I'm reading a work of fiction. Like, how do I even justify that? Well, because survival right. is insufficient, right? Like I'm yeah. not necessarily yeah. writing poetry, but if I was reading, like, why am I doing that? It's because yeah. interaction with beauty, meaning, joy is you know, that's why yeah. we're doing all the things really that, <laughs> that, you know, that yeah, have yeah. to be on our list. Uh, yeah. and if we've, if we fail to do those things, we can get by and we can survive, mm -hmm. but then we will, if that's not, that's not who we're made to be. Uh, yeah. I think you just miss so much. There's just, like, you're talking about beauty. There's just so much beauty out there. 
to be seen. And when you're, you know, efficiently sleepwalking and I, I relate to that so much, um, you miss all of that. Mm-hmm. You miss, you miss beauty, you miss presence, you miss like a sort of intentionality mm-hmm. that comes with like waking up and living, whether that is writing the poem or reading mm-hmm. the poem or yeah. stopping mm-hmm. to look at flowers, you know? Yeah. That, that, that last one, it seems, it seems, you know, strange. You talked about a trip that you guys took to Scotland mm-hmm. recently and just this hike you yeah. took and how meaningful it was. Right. Yeah. And I, I was yeah. thinking of that and it made me think of, uh, uh, Nancy and I were in in Utah in one of the national parks. We were uh, right, but we were by the Mesa Arch, in fact. But this Bryce mm-hmm. Canyon it happened all sorts of places. Where we're there with a bunch of other people at this place of just you know, amazing beauty, and I would say half of the people are there to pose for a picture they can share. They're there so they can share a picture with their friends. Like they're not even yeah. really experiencing the beauty. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and some of them. It's just, so easy to do that. Yeah. That's almost like right. ingrained now is what it feels like is, oh, I have to capture this moment rather than just experience. Experience it. Right. The moment. Be in the moment. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And and so I do think that that can be a lot of life. Uh, and I think so. I, I, I think that for people of, of you know, Christians often uh we can be serious um Mm -hmm. and you know we want to be you know we don't want to be frivolous and uh and sometimes i think we miss something that is that god intends for us you know and that i think that's true for for all people um Mm -hmm. and i believe that one of the reasons survival is insufficient even though i don't think the author of station 11 is necessarily a religious person um, I've, mm-hmm. I've heard her speak once or twice. That's not, I don't think that's where that was coming from. And the, the line originally comes from a Star Trek, uh, yeah. you know, episode, I think maybe not originally, but I think that's the first cultural interaction with it. And that's not, it's not coming from a faith point of view, but, uh, I do believe, I believe we're made in the image of God and part mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, part of the the outcome of, of being, of bearing the image of God, whether, whatever our beliefs are, is survival is insufficient, that we're made to interact with beauty, meaning, Mm -hmm. you know, and if we're not doing that, then there's some part of our humanity that's dormant. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, Uh, it's hard to name exactly what that is, but I just think we are surrounded by a world that God created as beautiful. I mean, it's just everywhere. But so quickly we sort of lose imagination and lose creativity. And I think to some degree lose the enjoyment of those things, except mm-hmm. maybe when we go on vacation or, or, or we like create a significant amount of space to go do the thing rather than just try and recognize it in the daily. Cause it's there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a daily battle. You know, I, mm-hmm. I take our dog around the block uh every morning uh one of the first things i do you know uh and you know so that she can do her business uh and uh, i can you know pick it up in a bag instead of picking it up later from my backyard uh, <laughs> but it's but it's like so one of the decisions i made a while back is i'm not going to listen to anything while i'm doing that i'm not gonna mm-hmm. 
you know, headphones yeah. in. It's not that long of a walk anyway. Um, but even then, it's it's easy to think about oh, all the stuff I've got to do in you know oh, yeah. right over here. The sunrise is coming up, and it's beautiful, and the sky is beautiful. Right. If I was on vacation, I would appreciate the sky, but it's the same sky, right. obviously. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, so I think it's like a choice uh, that I need to make. It's almost a discipline in our cult in our culture. Oh, it's a discipline yeah. that we need to have, or else we'll just skip over. Yeah, I had, um, you and I've talked about this before, but I have, I think what I would call time anxiety. I read that somewhere in like the last year that um, even earlier as I was talking about, like my, a lot of my anxiety comes through, I'm worried about a thing that's coming. So I'm just anxious about it. And then when I get to the thing, I'm just anxious about the next thing. So it's very difficult for me to be present and enjoy those things unless I'm away in Scotland or I'm on a trip at the beach or something like that. And I remember, I think it was this past fall, I was raking leaves with my four-year-old and um, time anxiety would push me towards getting the leaves done as fast as I can so that I can get on to the next thing. And I'm playing with him basically. I mean, he's making it just drag the process. Like it's going from maybe a half an hour of raking leaves to like two hours. Mm -hmm. But what's beautiful is he's having the time of his life. Yeah. And he's jumping in the leaves. He he wants me to pick him up, put him in the, the trash can yeah. full of leaves so he can like bury himself. And I had this realization where I said to myself, don't just get through this thing. And I have to like tell myself that often, mm -hmm. like stop for a second. Don't just get through it and enjoy whatever is happening right now. Cause I'm, I'm somebody like, I think sunsets are beautiful. My wife loves them and every night she recognizes them and is like, Hey, you should come look at this. And most of the time I'm just like, no, I'm good, <laughs> which is really yeah. sad. Now I try to yeah. make an effort. I think you're right. I think yeah. it's sort of a discipline of like, no, it's okay that I stop yeah. even if it's 10 seconds and take in the sunset. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's more of the, yeah, a posture toward the world. I do think, uh, you know, I don't know if everyone has, uh, everyone in our culture has at least the temptation towards the time anxiety you're talking about. I mean, there are people I can be, you know, I'm going to drive a certain, I'm going to be upset at a person in front of me who's slowing me down on the road, even though I know I'm going to be 15 minutes early. And I'm, you know, yeah. like there's no, there's no yeah. actual reason why I have to drive this fast, but I want to drive that fast. And mm -hmm. I, I, that's, and that's, that's a way we can move through life and, and, and miss things. And, and, you know, that whole, mm -hmm. you know, I think what we're saying is a lot of things in our culture will push us towards just being doers of stuff. And, yeah. you know, basically we become high functioning sleepwalkers or we, and then we engage in uh cultural interaction that doesn't, you know, uh, that may not lead us to beauty, meaning whatever. It might just be mm -hmm. straight distraction. And I don't think that's necessarily yeah. bad to mm -hmm. watch a movie just as a, it's just, it's a fun distraction. It's frivolous, but yeah. you could also watch, uh, you know, a cable news show religiously in a way that's not giving you any of those things, but it's feeding some right. part of you that's not probably healthy to be fed. And you're not getting yeah. any of those. You're not getting anything done and you're not experiencing. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And so that's that's the danger is do I think about my cultural interaction in a way that sort of feeds the 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 image bearing part of me, whether it's by mm -hmm. reading 
by, look, by participating in or by creating. Uh, and if and if not, I probably need to find some discipline yeah. to do that. Yeah, I probably yeah, I think right. I, mean, I think um, one of my things, like an indicator of sleepwalking for me, where maybe I'm being less intentional or less disciplined, is I can rewatch things. And I'm not even sure there's anything really wrong with that. So this is just speaking for me. But if I'm rewatching the same sitcom, you know, for maybe the sixth time through, when I have this other list that I've created intentionally of all these, you know, art films or, or great literature, or great, you know, um, mm-hmm. movies, wherever it is, I, I want to watch, but I've decided to sort of check out and rewatch the same thing over and over. That's like an indicator of me for me that I'm sleepwalking to some degree. I've lacked the intentionality right. to like wake up and, and appreciate something that is new yeah. and creative. Right. Yeah. Now, one of the, I think, I mean, I do think there's a, you know, giving yourself permission to, to veg out here or there is, Mm -hmm. is fine. But at some point, as you're saying, then it's more than that and it becomes a pattern. Yeah. And it's so easy for me. I can do it a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, one of the, uh, I guess one of the outflows of this whole thing, uh, as it, uh, as it relates to culture and our interaction in it, particularly as people of faith is I think there are lots of times where people of faith are uneasy about culture or, mm-hmm. and sometimes we call it the culture. Uh, and you know, it, which almost feels like shorthand for the big, bad culture or the enemy culture or the threatening mm-hmm. culture or whatever. Um, and not to say that there's obviously there are, there are cultural interactions that can be harmful to us. I mean, you kind of just described one. Uh, mm-hmm. and obviously there's other ones that, uh, that become patterns that are destructive or, or unhealthy. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, a future newsletter on war, you know, what are our thoughts on war? Um, because you know, there's a war now in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I read an observation that, you know, the reason, you know, I guess wartime or violent video games and porn are both, you know, uh, uh, heavy distractions of many men, uh, they're not even young men, but men, uh, in America or in the West is because, you know, we sort of, um, we, we sort of, instead of a real war, we're, we're fighting a fake one instead of real mm-hmm. relationships, we're in fake relationships. It's mm-hmm. sort of a safe retreat into a pretend world. And that's yeah. obviously a destructive interaction with, with culture. Um, but at the same time, there's lots of beauty and meaning and thought provoking, uh, interaction that comes from culture that doesn't have to be pre-approved as, you know, agreeing with everything I agree with that, you know, as a person of faith, I don't have to make sure this other person has the same faith background or a similar one in order to, and we're talking about station 11, which I don't really know, uh, you know, her, the author's, uh, faith background. I don't assume it's, mm-hmm. I don't believe it's the same as mine. And yet there's lots of things in her piece of art that make, make me think about, make me reflect on my faith and so on. Yeah. Um, so what are your thoughts on that in our, you know, people of faith, people, you know, people, you know, uh, who have, a 
you know, maybe grew up with an uneasy yeah. uh, relationship with the culture. Yeah, I feel that. I I think music, I listen to music uh, constantly. Like I have to sometimes tell myself to turn my jams off as my kids call them, turn our jams mm-hmm. off so I can like just sit quietly. Um, but I remember like growing up in the church, I would think if I was listening to a secular song or, you know, maybe in the middle somewhere between Christian and secular, it would make me uneasy to the point where I'd be like, Oh, well, this is a, this is a sort of Christian lyric. Maybe they're Christians. And I'd like kind of cling to this hope that this band is Christians. Same with, yeah. Same with reading or um, watching a movie. And as I've gotten older and conversations with you and with other people, it's like as, as image bearers, we're all image bearers, the Christian and non-Christian. We all bear the image of God. So Christian and secular music alike can both speak to beauty and truths of God. And that's been such a good thing for me because it sort of um, gets rid of that uneasy feeling. Even as a creator of poetry, I've wrestled with, do I have to write explicitly Christian poems? Do they have to all say Jesus or God or they all have to, you know, speak about like the big the big truths that we would say, mm-hmm. or can it just be a poem about, uh, sorry, <laughs> or can it just be a poem about a tree that's uh, beautiful or a sunset mm-hmm. or whatever? Like, can it, right. can it just be something that speaks of beauty? And I think it can be. Yeah. Yeah. Or speaks of beauty or speaks of grief or speaks of, yeah. you know, pain. Uh, it doesn't have to be happy or beautiful. Uh, right you know, in, 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 according to some standard, because our, you know, that's, that's, you know, one of our, my, one of my beliefs uh, that will come through over and over in this, in these podcasts and in the newsletter is, you know, that we are fallen image bearers. So mm-hmm. I have, doesn't, you, doesn't even if I have the right beliefs or whatever, I have the ability to lead you astray uh, or be destructive to you in some way, because I'm fallen. I'm not as I should mm-hmm. be, but I'm also an image bearer. Uh, and so yeah. I have the ability to say something true about the world that helps you or, uh, yeah. and that's true of everyone and everyone's belief system that we, you know, that we almost have to, you know, interact with the culture sort of on its own, you know, ground and say, okay, an image bearer created this culture. Is there something that is there for me to admire? Is there something there for me to learn from? Is there something there for me to engage with? Yeah. To think about. Yeah. Is this something that can help me? Like you said, like I've written a lot of um, poetry about grief and I've read a lot of poetry about grief because it's just helped me in my own grieving process, whether it's Christian or not. Grief is something we all experience and it can, it has helped me yeah. as I've processed. Just, yeah. To say something true about the common human experience is, yeah. is to bear the image of God well. You know, as mm-hmm. in, the, in the terminology we're we're using, uh, and so that's where, uh, and I think that that's the sort of art, the sort of stories that I'm drawn to, whether it's fiction or whether it's a movie, that mm-hmm. it says something true about the world, about the life I'm living, in a way that causes me to think about it in a fresh way. Uh, yeah. and, you know, and so I think that's that's it. It, it open it gives permission to interact with all sorts of culture 
yeah. and there's lot there's some there's shows out there there's lots of shows out there that many people have watched that I don't I look at I that's not really what I want or that I don't think that's going to be super helpful for me or that I might even be I mean I, I may react negatively to that so I mm -hmm. don't I don't choose to interact with that that uh, and everyone has to sort of make that own their own decision uh, so I'm not saying just dive into all culture equally. Uh, but we can, yeah. we have, a, we have a lot to learn from fellow image bearers, even if we disagree on a bunch of other stuff. Right. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, you know, this about me, I'm drawn to coming of age stories or poetry. That's like a, Hey, wake up. Um, cause as I shared earlier, I'm prone to sleepwalking. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, secret life of Walter Mitty is one of my favorite movies because it's a guy who lives, you know, sort of in a dreamland where everything in his mind is better than everything in his real life. And then he sort of gets this invitation from the world to wake up. And I feel like that, I mean, I see myself in that movie because I feel like God doesn't want me to sleepwalk. Yeah. Like I wasn't right. created to just like exist quietly on the sidelines and not, not participate yeah. Yeah. in life. So that's, that's a great example. It's not a movie that comes from a faith perspective or a Christian perspective right. or anything, but it has something true to say to us. Uh, yeah. I mean, I will maybe close with this example. It's an example I've used, you know, before, uh, but it it, uh, it hit me pretty pretty squarely. I was watching this little movie called uh, "Leave No Trace" about uh, Ben Foster and uh, oh, her name's Tomlinson. I can't remember her name. Uh, the young girl. Um, but it's fa it's a father and a daughter. He has his issues, his issues. Uh, you know, they're dealing with them together. And at first it's sort of sweet, mm -hmm. but then at some point she has to move away from her, you know, that life and live her own life. And, you know, she says, you know, what's wrong with you isn't wrong with me. And there's something universally true that every parent needs to hear that what's mm -hmm. wrong with me as a parent isn't wrong with them. They are going to have their own issues. And I, yeah. I am going to inflict them with what's wrong with me at some level. And I need to help them move away from that. And that's a universally mm -hmm. true statement, something true about the world in which we live. And uh, that's yeah. a, so it's a beautiful part of culture that uh, isn't again, from a faith, faith perspective. And it's, you know, experiencing that, that creative storytelling uh, is, I think what we're meant to be doing as we are interacting with culture. Uh, yeah. So let me, let, let me just end it there. Uh, we're, you know, to the end of our time. Um, so thanks for being with us in this, this, uh, thanks Kyle. Uh, yeah, thanks thank for being you. with us in this latest uh, on culture episode. And uh, you can again, find us anywhere you look for podcasts. We should be there. And uh, don't forget uh, to check out uh, the Embassy uh, newsletter at theembassy.substack.com. Uh, bye, y'all. Have a great one. You've been listening to On Culture, a podcast of the Embassy newsletter. Have a question? Send it to theembassy@substack.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.